part in the teams and going to, going to different schools around this area and be praying. And I've had something stuck in my spirit ever since I said it close to a week ago. Every word is a seed, good or bad. And we have the opportunity today to team up with God, okay? And we are going to places where there has been a lot of bad word spoken over and seeded and seed planted. There we go. That's a better way of saying it. Listen, Proverbs 16, 21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I hope today you woke up this morning and you said it is a beautiful day. This is one God created. This is the one God placed me in for his work, for his kingdom. Those are all words that you should be speaking every day. Wake up and say that. We have, like I said, we're going, I'll be going to the Merrill School. That's the one I'll be going to. But we've got prayer warriors going all over, speaking. Huh? Who's not what? That's Carrie's fault, not mine. That's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm going to Merrill. She's fired. <laughs> but, like I said, today we're going to the places where, oh, my goodness, you're forgiven. We're going to speak life. When we go to these places, we're going to be speaking that the kingdom of God be taking place, that the fruit of the Spirit is what will dwell in the classrooms, the hallways, within teachers, students. We can speak and claim those things, okay? God has given you the most powerful weapon of all of creation, and that is his word. Come on. It was his word that created existence, and he's given that to you by the power of his Spirit. I hope you, you come to that realization that it is actually by words things happen and change. Okay, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, as the Bible says. We don't have to go and, and punch the school doors, okay? We go and we speak the word of God. All power and authority has been given to you by God to use his word according to his will, and his will says life. Am I right? So this morning, I want you, as you're praising God, Focus on the words that you are saying. You are planting seeds. You're planting seeds into your spirit, into your attitude, into the atmosphere around you. So this morning, when you praise God, when you give him glory and honor, when you sing out what the song that's in your heart, you're speaking the word of God and putting it into action. Think about that throughout your day today, throughout this week that you, that you got coming ahead of you about the seeds that you're planting with your words. You've got power in those. God's given you power in those to use. So you use it. God, God gave you his voice. God gave you his spirit. God gave you his breath to use. So if you'll stand with me, we are going to pray, and we are going to focus in on praising and worshiping God this morning. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that you've got Set aside for us to be able to focus on you, turn our attention, our hearts, our eyes, our ears to your goodness, Father. I thank you that it is by your spirit that we have been given all power and authority in our words, Father, and that we reciprocate what you said, Father. We open the word and we speak life. Father, I thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, all the blessings we have, all the blessings to come.
all the blessings that we plant, Father. I thank you for everything. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. How's everybody this morning? Blessed? Highly favored? A blessing? Aren't you thankful for the love of God? He has poured it out without, without holding anything back because he loves us, because he loves you. He so loved the world that he gave. Ready for do that? How you doing down there, buddy? You strapped up? He's almost so many things to do. I don't know why Pastor makes one of my musicians open that service because then we, we have to wait. What? <laughs> I'll take it up in staff meeting. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four. something with that. I have no idea what to do with that again, but Tim, do you have a clue which one's going to wear? All right. I'm sorry, everybody. All right. Well, okay. All right. We'll take an offering, buy a new one. Here we go. Bring all your failures. <laughs> there you are. One, two, three, four.
Why don't we do our offering right now? It's a good time to break. You guys can be seated. Jesus is good, isn't he? We're supposed to be ready in season and out of season to give the word of God, so we'll just kind of flow here. Um, I've got a scripture for you, and it's Psalms 92, 12 through 15, and it says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So that means we're growing out and we're growing tall. Okay? They're planted in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. This is one of the, what I want to kind of talk about, being planted in the house. Are you planted in this house today? Have you got your roots going deep? What that means is what this house or what, what the house of God does, you're involved in. You're involved in the tithe. You're involved in prayer today. You're, you've put some roots in. And you know what? You benefit out of that. And it says that when you're planted, when you're a tither, this is where tithing rights come in. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. So when, when the devil brings accusation against you, when he brought accusation against Job and went to the courts of heaven, you'll, you'll be faultless. You'll be righteous. God, there won't, you can stand up and say, no, I'm flourishing in the courts of the Lord because of who God made me. Because I'm a tither, because I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I will flourish in the courts. No accusation can stand against me. Okay? It goes on to say, growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And I'm claiming that one every day. Okay, they shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality, and rich in venture, of trust, love, and contentment. Now here's something. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in them. We are not dead memorials. We are living memorials, and what that means is we are a living testimony of Jesus. So we're going to be living testimonies of Jesus as we go into the schools today. We're going to be living testimonies as we pray and as we declare and as what, what we do. So be planted in this house.
be planted and be, be what we're doing, be involved in it. Okay, and you will flourish in the courts of heaven. You will flourish. So when you give and when you, when you do that, this is how this is all fitting together today. You'll flourish. So there's three ways to give. Oh, I want to talk about prayer in schools. You did get these cards, and I did make a mistake. Meryl should be on here. <laughs> we have a lot of schools this time. And if you didn't sign up, you can take this card and pick where you want to go. If you do go into Saginaw, the Heritage one with Rhonda is at 2 o'clock and not 4. They're going to go around. But it's at 4 o'clock. So pick one, and we're going to have everybody stand up in the second service so you know who the team leaders are. I know Jeannie is here, so she's one of them. Dakota, why don't you guys stand up? And Dakota is in St. Louis. Stevens in Merrill. <laughs> Stevie's in Breckenridge at the high school. Becky's at the elementary. Um, and Connie. Connie and Jim are back here, and they're in Hemlock. So join us. Be part of the body today because our kids, our kids need you. Our kids need you to pray over those schools. Our kids need you to protect them. And our kids need you to go to the courts of heaven for them. Okay, today. So as we give... Give that in mind. You're giving towards life today. So are we set back here? There's three ways to give. You can give online. You can give in cash on the offering, your check. You know, is, did they flash that up there? They didn't. You guys know that, what to do. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. I thank you that we have opportunity when we feel like things are out of our control, we know we can pray. We know we can pray and change the atmosphere. We know we can change things that are set in motion. So today, as we give, God, we thank you for that opportunity, that we can give into your kingdom, that we can give into what you want to propel and to go forward. And Father God, we thank you for that today. I, I pray a blessing upon every giver here today that they will flourish in the courts of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can bring your offerings up. If you need an envelope, see one of the ushers.
nobody hear me yet? Nobody can hear me yet, Tim. Sorry, you need to bring that up. Uh, forgive us, folks. It's one of those technical things this morning. Go ahead, Stevie, start this up. Check one, two. How's that, everybody? Is that better? Can you hear me now?
aside all this distraction. Our focus is you, Lord God. Our purpose right now is to lift you up and to glorify your name. Father, to be in your presence. God, with the hosts of heavenly angels, Lord God, with the 24 elders, God, before the throne. Father, with the, the church, the sea of glass, the church past, the church present, the church future, all together in one place, lifting up the name of Jesus. Holy, 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 Lamb of God. Father, thank you for our confidence in you, Lord Jesus. Our trust that we can place in you. Jesus, that you're in us, the hope of glory. Father, the manifestation of the unseen Father, Lord God, is present here today. And Father, he is not unseen. He's well visible, Lord God, as we see you, Father, move in your mercy and in your compassion, in your goodness and in your love. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Amen. Good morning. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to ask uh, Connie if she'd come up. And uh, Connie's going to share a little bit about what's coming up on September 17th. And uh, we'll need, a, I think, our other mic. Yeah, thank you, sir. Amen. The, uh, you want to do it from down there, that's fine. So just as a reminder, on the 17th, we're only having one service that day because we're doing our harvest. We call this technical Sunday. So anyways, you know, out of the 300 or the 52 services we have every year, we could always have one where stuff doesn't work right, right? It's, it's okay. But uh, anyways, uh, we'll get it together here. But that's on the 17th, so we'll just be having a 10 o'clock service that day, then we'll be back on our regular schedule, okay? Connie, go ahead and talk to them about what you've got. And I, I have the sign-up sheets. We have three of them on clipboards so that you can do each section. And if you don't know what to bring, if you turn, flip the page, I gave a bunch of suggestions, and maybe it would spur you into what you are really good at making and you're always asked to bring or whatever. So you have no excuse saying, I don't know what to bring when you just can look, flip the page. Amen. And I want everything brought in disposable dishes because we are having it here. We have no way to wash anything. Um, we will furnish the spoons or whatever is needed for your salads or desserts but you, everything else I would like in disposables. And other than that, we'll be passing the sheets and everybody sign up, please. All right, thank you. So Thanks, we get, Connie. We need a head count. Give Connie a good hand. She, her and Jim, such a blessing. Amen. So we have a couple of things that are different this year. We're having it here, for one. Um, the other is, is that um, we're doing a pig roast, so that's another thing. Plus, we have inflatables that we're getting for all the kids to play out here, and there'll be a huge tent out here on the property. And uh, so it's going to be a fun day. We're really excited about it. We'll have hay rides and different things that will be going on, activities throughout that. But uh, we hope that uh, you'll bring people with you. It's a great opportunity. Um, you know, we lost, we usually lose about 30% of the people by going to the farm. And uh, so this way we're able to keep people here and we're going to have it here and it'll be an awesome day and we'll have a lot of fun amen, amen. food will be the same fellowship will be the same and uh, lots of new activities we're also not having a pike judging contest this year and uh, i know <laughs> so you know we'll change things up but the youth are going to do a pie eating contest and so that'll be fun to watch so we're looking forward to that all right, if you brought your Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to open it up to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Just as a reminder, on uh, Wednesday evening, I'll be teaching through the book of John. Um, and uh, we are going to be getting into this week, I believe. How far did Chuck get? He got it? He, did you really? Wow. So we're at 10 and 11 then. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you, Chuck. Amen. So we'll be doing chapter 10 and chapter 11 this week, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks uh, in September, we're going to be starting our children's play. We will have children's uh, nursery available on those evenings as well. And uh, so 
uh, where they're going to be having play practice on Wednesday nights. And so we'll be teaching through the book of Revelation in the month of October. So uh, we encourage you to, uh, to get on board with that as well. Lots of people have lots of questions about the end times. So, amen. Yeah, and read Revelation. Let me just, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with my sermon today, but uh, I do deal with this from time to time from the pulpit. Be careful what you listen to today. There's lots of things being said that people predicting things that are going to happen and all kinds of stuff that's out there. What you're required to do, what you are required to do is to study the scripture and to pray and seek God. Not to follow everything everybody is saying. Not even me. Don't listen to everything I say. Most of what I say, but not everything I say, okay? But no, seriously, I, I, I find this is a challenge to us in our day because um, we were, uh, you know, there's just going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening. We're heading into an election cycle, a big election cycle. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be said a lot of prophetic things that are going to be said, and sometimes even people that we highly respect in the prophetic ministry, um, they say things and can really create. Anything that's creating fear in your life is not from God. I'm just telling you right now, it's not from God. You don't live your life based off of fear of the economy, fear of the world, fear of what's going on in the world. There isn't anything that this world can do to you to take your salvation away from you. You have a home in heaven. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens, even if somebody did freak out and push the button and everything ended and the world ended and that was the end of it, we know exactly where we will be. And uh, look, it'll be over before you know it, so don't worry about it. Can you say amen? And uh, I was thinking, you know, sometimes we think we live in the world's toughest times. And, uh, you know, we think like, man, things are really bad. And, you know, they talked about that supposedly July was the hottest month on record. Always notice when the media says stuff like on record, that means that they didn't keep records for a long period of time. So that's their way of escaping from the truth that there actually were hotter times. If you go back in the 1930s, whenever it was uh, actually the average uh, in America in the north was 105 degrees. Uh, there for a long period of time and because of some of the farming techniques that were being used during that time it actually created what was called the dust bowl in the 1930s mid 30s you know what else happened around that time the economy completely collapsed the banking system collapsed everybody thought that was going to be the end of the world can you imagine that that was it the economy's gone the world the the, the biggest part of the Midwest that was providing crops was in was in total absolute famine and depression was in the land and people were in food lines. I mean, it looked like the end. Guess what? We're 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 a long way away from 1936 right now, right? So look, we're going to go through stuff. We're going to hear stuff. Do not do not listen to me. Do not buy into everything everyone's saying, even if it's your favorite prophet that's saying it. Listen to the Lord. You pray and obey the Lord. Listen to what God is saying. And if it's fear-based and it's putting fear in your heart, you need to really evaluate what you're listening to. Now, look, if you're doing bad stuff and you're living for the devil and, and you're a hypocrite in your life and you're doing all this stuff and acting like you're spiritual, then you do have a problem. But it's a bigger problem than the economy. Yeah. 
Thank you, pastors, for loving us and telling us the truth. All right, did you find Matthew yet? Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to talk about prayer. And this is really powerful because Jesus lays this out, um, teaching about prayer. And the mo- he gives us this model for prayer. And he really starts dealing with the, the people in the congregation and is telling them, look, guys, you know, you're going to see these guys. They're hypocrites. They're the Pharisees. They're out there. They want you to hear their prayer. They want you to see how spiritual they are. We've talked a lot about that, that he was really addressing that. But he also talks about the heathen, those who don't have a relationship with God. And he says that, look, they're going to do stuff. Their prayer is going to be based off trying to get God to answer them by praying a lot. And in chapter 7, or chapter 6, excuse me, in verse 7, he says this, and when you pray... Don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And I've had a lot of Christians ask me, well, is that if I pray the same prayer over that I'm praying vain repetitions? All right, so I want you to look at that there's two words there. It's not just the word repetition, it's vain. Vain means empty. It means it's an empty repetition. You're just saying it to say it, in hopes that if you say it enough, that's what will turn things. Look, if you're praying repetitive prayers to God, I hope they're not empty. I hope that you mean what you're praying. I hope you're serious. You know, God isn't going, you asked me about that already. Stop talking to me about that. It's a repetition. It's something that's on your heart. And prayer is that avenue where we go before God with what's going on and what we're dealing with. God isn't going, get out of here. I'm tired of talking to you about this. So it's an empty repetition. So if we, you know, the heathens think, well, I've got this prayer. I'll just keep praying it over and over and over and over and over and over again. But there's no faith involved with it. It tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's the empty part of it. It's not the repetition part of it. God isn't upset that you came up for, you know, people say, well, should I go up for prayer again? Look, if you need to be prayed for again, then get prayed for again. It doesn't matter. God isn't going, oh, you don't have any faith. No, you wouldn't be up there for prayer if you didn't have faith. Can you say amen? So, Matthew 6, 7, he said, so when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. And then he said before that, don't be like the hypocrites who pray pray a lot and think that God will hear, or that pray out in public. They already have their reward. And he told us about doing our charitable works. We talked a little bit about that uh, last week, that if we're doing them before people to be seen by people, that's our reward for what we're doing. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, he goes on and starts talking about this model prayer he said therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him and i think that's so powerful so he's saying look god knows what's going on in your life he said and as you're praying in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done and of course we've taught on the lord's prayer several times here but uh, I think it's really, uh, it's really important as we look at this to realize that Jesus isn't just, I know in my Bible it says this is the model prayer. Some will have in there the formula for prayer. Um, I think there's a little bit of a danger with that because prayer is not a formula. There are things you can have that go with prayer. 
But prayer really is something that comes from the heart. It's what's going on in our lives. It's what we're dealing with before God. I love this in, um, in the Message Bible. You know, sometimes the Message Bible is way off in some of the things, the way they've translated it. Uh, but uh, in th these particular verses, I think they hit it right. He said, don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. And now listen to how, he put, how they put it. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Man, I love that. I think that's it right there. You know, we, we kind of, you know, that hallowed be your name and we sort of slip off into maybe a King James thinking there in that prayer. But really what he's talking about is, Lord, reveal your holiness, reveal who you are, be who you are. And then he goes on and of course that would tie right in with your kingdom come, Father, your will be done. They say there are three types of pray, people, uh, prayer postures that people have. One is the optimistic prayer posture. That's the person that says, it's going to be done. Man, I, they stand on Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. I mean, they're strong in their prayer. They believe that they've asked God. God's heard them. It's going to be taken care of. But not only is there an optimist, but there is the pessimistic posture in prayer. And that is where people get into a place where they say, my experience tells me that it's not probably going to happen. And that can happen in our lives. You know, there are a lot of Christians today that have become very pessimistic about prayer because they don't they see things changing. They don't see people changing. They don't see their circumstances changing. So they begin to become pessimistic. It's not that they don't believe in God, but they're, they're on the verge of not believing in God because they've now started to question God's integrity, whether he'll actually do what he says he will do. But the pessimistic attitude is, is that because of my own experiences, what I have lived in my life, my experience, and you know, probably at one time they were optimistic. Like I believe what the Bible says. I'm going to you know, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, I pray, I ask God, God's going to do this in my life. But what happens is, is that our experiences begin to happen, and I've had this happen to me. Things aren't going the way that I, I'm like, what's going on here? Why isn't God doing this? Why isn't this happening? And, you know, so it's almost like because God didn't meet the demands that we put on him, we begin to get upset at God, and then we just start doubting whether he's actually going to do anything or not. So the pessimistic attitude is a prevalent one today that exists in the church. It's, 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 it's a very sad thing. You can, you know, you know, when you ask someone, okay, so we prayed, do you believe this is going to happen? They say, well, I hope so. Well, that means that you're, you don't really know then for sure whether it's going to happen. You're basically still questioning. The third version, and, and, and stay with me now because I know these can get a little bit tough. The third version is the realist, the 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 attitude of the realist. So you have the optimist, the pessimist, and the realist. Now, the realist is probably where most Christians fall into. They're so, it's the it might or it might not happen. So I prayed, and it could happen, it might not happen. It really is up to God whether it will happen or not. And uh, so that attitude it is basically the guy that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? I believe what you've said, but okay, so I don't believe too, right? So we all fall into that category from time to time because we live in a real world and we're dealing with real circumstances and things don't always line up with how we're praying. 
That's right, Pastor. Amen. You're absolutely right. It doesn't look like it anyways. So what happens is we become realists. We, 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 we're always influenced by what's going on around us and what's happening around us, even though we're still very serious. And that's different than the pessimist because the pessimist has developed a negative, negative attitude about what God will do. The realist is just saying that I really don't know how this is all going to work out. I'm praying it's better. I hope it all gets better, but that's really on God. I really don't know what's going to happen in this. But I think there's a fourth option, and I think it's the one that Jesus really taught. And I think it's what Jesus was really all about. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't just an optimist about things. He didn't just say everything's going to be all right all the time. He's told us, I sent uh, this, you know, this verse out to you this last week in our text in church that, look, in the world, you'll have tribulation. He didn't say there wouldn't be any problems. The, the word tribulation, in the, in, it means to have pressure. Do you feel any pressure in the world today? From the world today? Sure. You got stuff you want to get done, things you're believing for and standing in faith. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But he said, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So Jesus didn't say you will have flowery beds of ease and everything will go smoothly and it will all, there will never be any problems. But he said, you will be an overcomer in all those situations. I mean, that's why your Bible says, look, in the book of Romans, towards the end, he says, look, in all these things, persecution, affliction. I mean, why are all those things in there? Because you're going to face persecution and affliction. And, you know, and, and he says, even famine and cold, nakedness and all these different things. He says, if we face all of them, he said, the truth is, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. So in the end, we win. We come out on top. Amen. amen. Can you say amen? A real good amen for me this morning. So what, we, what we're looking for is how did Jesus pray? What, what was Jesus' prayer really all about? How did he go before, how did he, when he went to prayer, what was his expectation? And so I'm going to teach you this morning what I believe the Lord's prayer is really all about and what I think that all of the prayers that Jesus was praying, I believe that they were all about. And it's what I'm going to call reflective praying, reflective praying. Now, when we think of the word reflective, we think about pondering, you know, sit back and think about, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about reflective, like a mirror reflects what it's, the light that's going into it. The mirror is not the source of the light. The mirror is just the reflector of the light. You and I, in reflective prayer, what we are doing is, and this is what I believe that Jesus did, is he tells us how to pray, and then we reflect that prayer into the world. We reflect that prayer into the world. Jesus made a very powerful statement in John 5, 19. He said, uh, he said, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Only what he sees the father doing, whatever the father does, the son does also. So when we look at how that Jesus prayed, he prayed perfectly the will of the father. He only said, but to be able to do that, to declare only the will of the father, he had to spent time with the Father. He had to be in the Father's presence to be able to experience that. That's why this prayer, when it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that's reflective prayer. That's us coming before God and say, not, 
not my kingdom come, my will be done, but God, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. And so what I'm doing is I'm saying, in reflective prayer, I'm saying, it's not about what I want, God. How should I deal with this? How should I face this? What should I speak over this? You know, just like tonight, we're gonna be praying, many of us at the schools. We don't, we'll have prayers that we'll pray but what we want to do is the benefit and what God wants us to do is to listen to his voice and his spirit and know how to pray effectively. Because see, it's an effectual, fervent prayer when we go before God and we say, God, what do you want done in this situation? And every school is not the same. I mean, you have some school systems that we're dealing with that are much more conservative in their belief system, and you have other schools that are much more liberal in their system, what they believe. And so you don't pray the same way in each of those systems. God already sees, he already knows the end from the beginning. He knows assignments that the enemy is trying to put together against those school systems. And we should know, we should be able to listen and tap in to the Father and say, Lord, how should we pray over this school? How should we pray over this school? Now, let's take that to another level in our own lives. With our kids, and maybe your children aren't serving the Lord, how do you pray for your... Well, you can go get a book that tells you how to pray for your children, and there isn't anything wrong with that. But each of your children is different than the other child. They're not all the same, and each of them has, needs, a different, needs a different encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you want to pray by the Father's plan for their life not by what you think the Father's plan is for their life, not what you prayed for the other kid that got saved and gave their life to Christ. You want to pray by the Father's plan. Is this helping anybody today? See, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, what is it you want done? Reveal yourself here. Show yourself. Show me what it is that you want to do. John Stott, the great preacher, said, every true prayer is a variation on the theme, thy will be done. Every true prayer is a variation on the theme, God, your will be done. Do we have the right to ask the Father what his will is? Well, there's a lot of what we know from Scripture that tells us what God's will is about situations. John chapter, or 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, it's, this is the confidence we have in him if we ask anything according to his will. We know that he hears us. How would we know his will? Because we know his will because of what his word teaches us, right? He said, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know what, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know absolutely we have the petition that we have desired of him. So we bring our prayer with what we know about God, what we already know from the word. It's like, when we come into prayer, just like tonight when we pray, Carrie's provided some really cool prayers that you can pray at the schools. But, but look, those are general prayers. They're not specific prayers, okay? They're not specific to that location, specific to the students and the teachers and the staff of that school. So what we want to do is, is that what we're doing is by praying the word, what we already know God has said over that situation, we're priming our spiritual pump. Have you ever had to prime a pump before? The way you prime a pump is you have to put in what you're trying to draw out. You don't put oil in a pump to draw out water. 
right? What do you put in a pump to draw out water? You put water in. So when we put there, you're going to have a mess, right? You're going to have some yucky water. What we do in our spiritual lives, and this is where we take the word into prayer, is, is that we're priming that pump by we're putting in what it is we're wanting to draw out. And so what I find in my spiritual life is when I start praying the word in my life, even though I may not have anything specific to pray, I immediately will end up in the spirit praying exactly what it is God's perfect plan over that situation. But it always starts with what I already know about God and what he has said in his word. We prime the pump with what we want to draw from the pump. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, prayer is the divine exchange. Prayer is the divine exchange. You know, right now, as, we, as we're sitting here, we're taking breaths, okay? We're breathing, right? If you take a breath in and you just hold that breath and you keep that breath and you don't let that breath out, what's gonna happen? You, what's going to happen? You'll pass out probably, and you could die, right? Because your body will start to do weird stuff because you took in, but you didn't release out. The other side of it is, what if you release it all out and you don't take in? What's going to happen to you? Same thing. You're going down, right? Because you need, because you are created to draw in and to release out. Draw in and to release out. And prayer is that divine exchange that we do in our lives where we are breathing in God's plan and we are breathing out what doesn't, what doesn't have any value to us? You know, carbon dioxide, or carbon, yeah, dioxide, excuse me, has great value to plants, but has very little value to you. But if you keep it in your lungs for too long, you will die. You will asphyxiate. I mean, you could be in a room full of carbon dioxide. Are you going to live? No. You need oxygen. Prayer is that breath. It's that divine exchange that we do before God. Now, there are two kinds, of, there are two kinds that we do of breathing in our lives, okay? Uh, and, and these fit spiritually for us. You weren't even thinking about breathing when I brought up about breathing. You've been breathing, right? Taking a little, however you've been breathing. But there is another breathing that we do in our lives that is an intentional breathing where we take time to draw in and to release out. In, in the neurological world, they call it dealing with the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system, okay? The sympathetic in, neurolo in neurological terms. So sympathetic is the, your natural, what you do all the time. You know, when you have the fight or flight, you're constantly, that's when you're you're, you're pushing your system, you know, the shorter breaths, you're pushing, pushing, pushing. And so that's your sympathetic system. That's naturally what we typically live in. Parasympathetic is a much more intentional breathing that we do in our lives. And that's where we're resting. And when we rest, this is really going to help some of you, especially those of you that are dealing with um, GERD or the, what do they call that, acid reflux, you digest. A lot of what people deal with, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that this is an answer to everything, but people are dealing with a lot of physical problems because they are 
they're not dealing with the asympathetic system of their life. You have to take time to breathe. Means, you know, like if you got an Apple Watch or if you got a, uh, they, they will have on there, take a break and breathe, right? Take some time to breathe. And it, and it could seem really bothersome because it's like a stop for a minute and just take deep breaths and in and out and just begin. And you're like, man, that, that's just crazy. No, it is actually, it brings your body, it brings your blood pressure down, it brings your heart rate down. When you go to the doctor and they're getting ready to do something to your body and it's painful, what do they tell you to do? They don't say, hold your breath. What do they tell you to do? Breathe. Don't stop breathing. Take in a breath, let out a breath. Take in a breath. Why? Because you're bringing your ace because you're rest, you're bringing your body into a place of rest. That's what intentional prayer is, is that it's putting ourselves in an asympathetic system of rest. You know, when you're dealing with a lot of stress, you have to make a commitment to rest. If you don't make a commit, and don't think that your body can deal with stress 24-7, it cannot. Your brain cannot deal with it. And you'll start suffering in other areas. Your digestive system cannot. You have to rest and digest. You have to take time for the asympathetic part of your system. So you take a deep breath and you hold it and then you let it out and then you take another one and you continue to do that. You don't have to do it all day, but see, that's what prayer, that's what intentional prayer is. It's that, it's that divine exchange that I'm going before God and I'm releasing this stuff and I'm taking in his stuff. Okay? So here's what it tells us in the book of Philippians. He said, be anxious for nothing. Don't let anxiety, don't let worry work in your life, but in all things with, what was the next word? Anybody got a guess? Prayer, Prayer. absolutely. Why? Because it is in that, that's the divine exchange because I'm loosing anxiety. I don't need that. Just like you don't need carbon dioxide in your system, you don't need anxiety. You don't need to live your life in a fight or flight mode all the time, waiting for the next ax to drop, the next hammer to fall, the next thing to go wrong. Man, this is good preaching. We have to be parasympathetic where we stop and we say, intentionally, God, I stop right now and I come before you to receive from you. See, when we do that, that's when the Holy Spirit takes over because we're in a rested state, because we're in that place where we're able to just take it easy, to be able to put our mind and our attention onto something else. You know, prayer isn't about you and I telling God how or what to do. That is not what prayer is. It's not us going before God and saying, okay, here's my agenda, now you take care of this. But it's you and I going before God and saying, what's your agenda, God? What do you wanna do in this situation? You're the expert and I will do and reflect your plan in my prayer life. I will reflect your plan in my prayer life. A couple of examples of this. So I have a friend who, I have uh, two friends. Both of them were diagnosed with a terminal cancer. Um, one of them uh, had, uh, um, had made the decision that he would not go through prayer. It was a, a male that he, and he's an elderly male, but he had said, I'm gonna go before God, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna 
spent some time talking to the Lord about what I should do. Should I do chemo? Should I do some of these other treatments that are out there? And he decided to not go with a conventional treatment system, okay, because he felt in prayer that that's the way that God was leading, okay? Now, I know the thought, you know, we, we, you might know someone that went that route and died, okay? Well, look, if they were a believer, they're in heaven, so don't sweat it, all right? So it's, amen. You know, that's the cool thing is, is that, uh, you know, if you blow it, even in those situations, God still grades on the curve, so you get in, right? Right, Chuck? <laughs> but but let, look, the, 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 so he decided, and, and so he's gone through all of the things, the, this non-conventional system, and he didn't look like he was getting better, but actually, he just went back to the doctor the other day, and he's totally cancer-free. Hallelujah. Amen. Totally. Now, a young lady that, I, that goes to our ministry here, young mother, uh, diagnosed with colon cancer uh, and was told that chances of making it were very, very slim, prayed, came and saw me, talked to me. We prayed together and you know, sought, she felt this was the direction the Lord wanted her to go, decided to go through the chemo treatments, but said, here's how, where my faith is. I want us to pray that I won't lose my hair. She came to church all during that time while she was having all those chemo treatments. You would have never known that she was ever fighting cancer in her body. She never lost a stitch of one hair from her head uh, and is today totally healed of cancer, all right? My point with that is that, look, it's not about the treatment. It's not about the treatment. It's about going before God. You know, if you deal with a bad situation, don't just assume what everybody else is doing is what you need to do. I mean, there are general things. We stand, you know, Jesus healed a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, look, we're used to, we're, I mean, we're used to like lay hands. That's how we think about Jesus. Okay, well, a woman touched his garment. He spit on one guy's tongue. I mean, I don't know, why did he do that? Who knows? And I'll tell you who didn't care, the guy whose tongue and mouth was set free, amen? He made mud and, told, and put it in a guy's eyes. I mean, why would you put mud in a blind guy's eyes? He can't see already. Now you made it worse, right? And then told him to go wash, and he would see. He told seven lepers to go tell the priest. I mean, so it isn't, you know, in the Old Testament, you got the same kinds of things. Some people miraculously were healed. I mean, just like, you know, prayed and it was done. One guy had to go dive in the water seven times. Another guy had to put a poultice on his, on his boil and it was healed. None of that matters. And if you're trying to make that matter, then you're telling God how to do his job. Oh, man, that is so good, Pastor. You're telling God, no, you got to do it. No, I don't want to do it that way. You got to do it this way. And what we're required to do is go before God and say, God, what do you want me? To, what should I do? I'm breathing out me. <laughs> right? I'm breathing in you. <gasps> That's what I need. I need you in this situation. I don't, look, 
I'm, if I keep breathing in me, I'm going to be still where I'm at. The same is true financially. I know some of you deal with financial stuff. Look, you can't, you know, dealing with financial things. There are a whole lot of ways God can meet a financial need in your life. So don't just put a limit on saying, well, no, he's got to do it like this. Well, I got to pay my taxes. I read in the Bible that a fish had a coin in its mouth. So I'm demanding that I'm going fishing for the next, you know, month and God's going to provide my taxes in all those fish's mouths. Well, God bless you. I mean, that's awesome. But look, you don't get to tell God how to do it. You go, now if God tells you that's what he's going to do, great. I'll go with you. I want some of that. But look, you, you, don't, you don't have to follow everybody else's pattern or what you get before God and you seek. Does God want to bless you? Does God want to heal you? Okay. Does God want your children saved? I mean, those are the key things that you got to figure out. Now, the rest of it is details. It's just all details. And that's where we go before God and we get the details. What is it you want to do in this situation? Man, I'm having a good time preaching this. We don't focus on the means, we focus on the source. We can't focus on the means of how it's going to happen. That's not our part. You know, the Lord told us last, I think it was last year, or maybe the beginning of this year, stop focusing on the when and the where. Focus on the who. Focus on the source. Focus on the, that he's got everything that he needs to be able to take care of that situation. So how do we do that, Pastor? How do we live that kind of life? Let me give you, some, let me give you five things I think that will help you real quick as we wrap up this morning. Number one, always start your day dedicating it to God. That's number one. Dedicate your day to God. I think that's just a, a great verse that we can declare over ourselves is this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I make a choice, God, to dedicate this day to you. And what that means for us is that we're saying, look, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I believe whatever happens today, you have a plan for me and I'm yielding to that plan. I'm yielding to that plan. Number two, shut out the noise. You gotta take time to shut it out. You gotta get into that parasympathetic state. You gotta quiet yourself. What that, what that means is you gotta put the phone down. You gotta turn the TV off. You gotta turn them, even turn the praise mute, turn it all off, just shut it down. And, you sit, and for most of us, in, if you're like me, that can become scary because what happens is because we're, we're not used to being parasympathetic, you know, where we rest, that we actually fall asleep when we try to do that, right? Turn everything off. Right? We say, well, I'm going to pray. One guy said, I'm going to meditate. <laughs> See, because, and, the, and the reason, look, because we don't know how, we can't, we can't rest. I've had this happen like, like we have an event. And I, get, I love getting ready for the event, but I don't know how to enjoy the event. Are you all here? Because I, you know, it's like when we would go camping. 
Setting up camp was awesome, man. I love setting up camp. But then all of a sudden, now what do I do? Because I've been in that state of move, 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 do, 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 do. And now it's stop and enjoy. I, it's not easy to do for those of you. I mean, you know, some of you are like, now piece of cake for me. Well, that's awesome. I, I, I congratulate you. But for me, it take me two days to relax. And while I'm trying to relax, I'm driving everybody else crazy. You have to learn and, until you train yourself to be parasympathetic, to shut down everything and just listen. Just talk with God. Communicate with God. That's what Jesus did. What did it tell us? He got away from the crowd. He went away by himself. He, he got off in a distance. He didn't hang around with everybody all the time. You have to have downtime. It's important to have downtime. And uh, don't be afraid of downtime that all you're going to do is fall asleep. If you teach yourself the value of that downtime of just getting before God, talking with God, shut, the, shut, shut out the noise, shut out the noise. The quieter you become, the more you are able to hear. That's just a fact. The quieter you become, the more you're able to hear. A German proverb said that silence is a fence around wisdom. You got to get through the, you got to be able to have that silence so that you can be able to get to where wisdom is at. You can't get there by just being in all the noise. Noise is not out here in all of the busyness. So, Shut out the noise. Number three, give the word first place. Always, what does the word say about your situation? What are you, what are you standing on? What are you believing for? Give that first place. Just that even though you may not understand it completely, that's where faith comes is through hearing and hearing through the word. Give the word first place. Number four, communicate with God. Tell God what's going on in your heart. If you're struggling, then you tell him you're struggling. You tell him you're struggling. If you're looking for answers, tell him you're looking for answers. The Bible tells us that we don't have answers because we don't ask for them. And if you just think that God somehow is going to come down and bang you in the head with an answer, he's not going to do it. What you've got to do is come before him and communicate with him that, look, God, I've, look, I'll be very transparent about this. There are times that I've had to just come before God and say, I'm struggling. I'm not doing well right now. I'm not mentally well over this. I'm not physically well over this. I'm not spiritually well. I need help, Lord. I know it's not right. I'm not saying it's right. I just, I'm looking for help, and I'm asking you to help me. Show me the way through this. Show me how to deal with this. Show me what things that need to be unfolded. That's communication. But remember, communication, the word commune that's in the beginning of that comes from the Greek word communis, and it, or Latin word communis, and it means to share what we have in common. I'm sharing my deep need for his deep riches. I need the divine exchange to take place here. I'm releasing this so that I can receive this and look i get it man we think that's weakness but it's not weakness we think well you know i don't ever want to admit that i'm having a tough hey look one everybody that knows you knows you're having a tough time so you're not fooling anybody but we come to church and we put our best face on and we act spiritual and you know and we're doing great and we're not doing great 
the health in that situation, the spiritual health in that situation is that I realize I'm in an environment that people love me and care about me and they're not in here judging me and saying, what a, what a weenie you are because you're not being able to deal with your circumstances but are saying, look, we'll stand with you. Always remember, I teach this a lot, uh, especially to people that are in major battles. We can fight with you, but we can't fight for you. So I can stand by you, but I cannot do the battle for you. But let us be with you. Let us be with you. You know, I always think about this time of year. Uh, I got to wrap up, but, um, you know, this time of year during harvest time, we were getting close to harvest time. And, you know, Mark Chaffin was one of, I think, one of the most successful farmers in Gratiot County. And, uh, you know, he was featured in magazines. The farm was featured in magazines. Mark was an awesome farmer, but Mark had struggles. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail, but... But here's what he did. Here's what he did. He let us fight with him. So he would call and he'd say, he'd call and he'd say, can I talk to you? Or he'd come in and visit or he'd call me on the phone or he'd send me a text or he'd say, look, I'm, I'm in this battle right, you know, right now. They're saying this and I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'm believing God. I'm standing in faith and just would you stand with? I said, absolutely. We stand with you and Jeannie and this, whatever you're dealing with. And so I always said about Mark, I was his partner. I've always felt that way with him. And we'd meet every year and just talk about where things, and he was my partner here with what we were dealing with and uh, stuff that was going on. And you know, when you partner with someone, and, and this brings me to this, this, last, uh, this last one that we're communicating, we're, we're, we're bringing and sharing back and forth what's in common that what happens is when you let someone stand with you, if they really are standing with you, they start hearing things that they can share with you to encourage you. And I know when Mark passed away, he had a Bible, ver he had a verse, a card in his Bible that he had kept all those years. I don't know how long ago that was, but, but uh, that he had kept that had a Bible verse that I had sent him in the mail that said, I was praying today for you, and this is what the Lord said to me, and I just want to encourage you with that. You say, well, pastor, you've never done that for me. Well, have you shared? I mean, I'm with you, but I can be really with you when you say, the staff and team can be really with you when you say, look, I'm in this thing. I need prayer. I need you to stand with me in this battle. Hallelujah. Which that brings me to the last thing that I wanted to say, the fifth thing, and that is fly with eagles. You got enough vultures hanging around you. Get rid of those guys. You don't need the vultures, okay? You know, the, vul <laughs> the vultures are just waiting for you to die, okay? <laughs> you fly with eagles. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, they did this thing that, and I think it's absolutely powerful. I, I, and I can see it in my own life. Your, your life is the accumulation of the five people you hang around the most. Your wealth is about the same as the five people you hang around the most. Your health is about the same. You know, I hang out with a healthy crowd of people. So when you go to restaurants with a healthy crowd of people, guess what they eat? Healthy. Guess what you eat? Healthy. 
Because you're not going to order a burger and fries if they're all eating salads. Could be a veggie burger, sure. Thank God I will never eat a veggie burger. I like my meat bloody <laughs> and real. All right, now listen. Fly with eagles. Get around people that are doing that. That are that are that have joy. If you're struggling, get around people that have joy. Figure. Walk with people who are fighting the fight and working to over... Don't, don't hang out with the, the people that are quitting and negative and pessimistic and God isn't going to do that. You need to fly with eagles. Stand up with me if you would. You need to fly with eagles, man. The, the, the eagles are going somewhere. Amen. The eagles are going somewhere. Hallelujah. The vultures are by the ground, just eating whatever's dead or waiting for it to die. They're hovering, right? You can see them sometimes in your life. Some of them are your family. They're just flying around in circles over your life waiting. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> I don't even pay attention to them anymore. I'm going to fly with the eagles. I'm going to get around with people who are, that I want to be like. I don't want to be like that. Amen? Father, thank you that we can be, enter into a divine relationship with you, Lord God, that we can experience the joy of who you are. Father, there are situations I know that people are facing right now, Lord God, in their lives that, Lord, it's a struggle. I, I get the struggle is real. There's no doubt about it. But you're a real God with real answers. And Father, I pray that they would not leave this place today without a point of surrender to their life of saying, Lord, I look to you to help me. I need your help. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and all those agreed said, amen. amen. Let me just say this. Let's have our prayer team come, if you would, that are going to pray this morning. And... Uh, let me, uh, let me just encourage you. I, I know Chuck's got a couple of things here. But uh, seriously, if you've had prayer before but you're still struggling, then you need to pray with someone again. Let's get through the struggle. Amen? Let's get our faith set right. And uh, it's not undermining anything that you've prayed before because it's not empty and vain, but it's actually that you're praying in faith, asking God to help you. Amen? Charlie? Amen. What's the one thing you have in common with God that's uh, incredibly important and powerful that we can go to? This pastor was talking about that. It's called covenant. Covenant. We can't forget covenant. Covenant's important. Jesus went into the garden uh, of Gethsemane, and uh, he knew what his will was, and his will was contrary to God's. And to the point where the stress caused him to sweat blood, and he had to breathe that communion with the Lord. Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he had to depend upon covenant. And uh, so this morning, as, you, as you're going through and, and reflecting on the word that you just received, Pastor, which was excellent, thank you. Um, 
remember covenant, remember relationship, remember the promises of God that he has made to you and the promises you've made to him. And that allows you to breathe Christ in, Holy Spirit, power of God out. Come on. All right, so if you're here this morning and you'd like prayer, we'd like to pray for you. I know there's a word uh, over here. If you're having pain in your side, right in here, come up and get prayer. Okay, if you're dealing with pain in your right side, also there's a stiff neck. If you're dealing with a stiff neck, just sensing it's just like lower in the neck, upper in the back, uh, we want to pray with that. Stevie, you guys have anything? You had that? Sorry, I didn't mean to steal it from you. Um, okay, so if you want prayer for anything, doesn't have to be the one with things that we called out. We want to pray for you. Pastor Mas- mentioned acid reflux, and since that was brought up, please, we want to pray for that as well if you're dealing with that. Okay, so you have something else? Oh, okay. So uh, please come up, and I'm going to pray for the rest of you. Come on up now, and then uh, we'll dismiss you. Father, uh, we thank you. God, for your goodness, your mercy. God, we thank you for covenant that we have with you. Father, that we are in communion with you because, Father, you first loved us. And, Father, you established that. So we are so grateful that we can breathe in the life that is found in Christ and through the word of God. And, Father, we can exhale, Lord God, and have that moment, Father, of of restoration and that movement of power, Lord God, as you move in us, come into us and fill us, and, and we exhale and move it out, Lord God. Jesus went into the wilderness, driven by the Spirit, and came out in power. Same thing, Lord God, in this moment. Father, we breathe you in and we exhale out. Father, the word of God, the word of life, the power that is in you. And I thank you, Father, that as we go this week, we'll be doing that, Lord God, and we'll be seeing change. Tonight, Father, as we pray for the schools, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, that power will flow. Father, Lord God, that angels will move. And Father, victories will be won already in Jesus' name, Father, for this coming year for our our children, Father, who are in our school systems. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, Father, your mercy, and your protection. Father, we thank you that this week will be awesome in Jesus' name as we go. Amen. 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 We love you all. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday, if not before. Wednesday night as well.